Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Here we are. It's Freedom Fridays. <laughs> I'm going to be getting some new lighting so that I, I'm not the person sitting here in the shadows. Although I think there's a, is there an old TV show, Charlie, about in the shadows? Some kind oh, of dark shadows. <laughs> oh no! That's <laughs> so creepy. That's going, that's going back now. That's going back away. <laughs> anyway, this is your host and and uh, your two hosts or your two co-hosts. This is Dr. Deb Carlin, and I'm here with Dr. Charlie Cartwright, and we're here for another episode of the K Factor. We're on Fridays. We're talking about freedom, Freedom Fridays, and what are we talking about in terms of freedom? Well, we're talking about what are you doing inside of your head that's either keeping you on a lockdown or that's really setting you free. So listen, listen to this. You got to know this. Dr. Charlie here does dashboard, what's it called? Dashboard cam? Dash cam wisdom. Dash cam wisdom. You know what? I need to put that in the tag. Dash cam wisdom. Anyway, what I said together, what I said about our episode today was Freedom Fridays to encourage you because I also watch Dash Cam Wisdom. And um, today we're coming together to encourage you. That's what that's what your last episode was that I talked about. And uh, so you're going to feel great to get a dose of hope and confidence with us today. Right? I'm loving it. I am too. Charlie, are you doing those dash cams every single day? Well, I wasn't in the beginning, and then they really gained a lot of traction. So this week, I've done this my first week of having them every day. Usually, I was doing two or three in a week. People like, and then I would go back to my traditional post. Yeah. Get like the sad emoji. Oh, (laughs) where's my video, man? I'm protesting, you know. <laughs> I suppose, but it's not the same. Bring back the dash cam. You know, people would say, no video. So finally, I was like, okay, um, you know, this doesn't suck, but the video's better, basically. So I said, all right, I'm going to just go totally convert over and from my traditional. I'll still maybe from time to time throw one of those other traditional posts where it's a, an image and and some some information in the afternoon but <clears throat> this is my first week of making uh, all five days of dash cam wisdom i think it's great and they're only a couple minutes yeah three to five well two to five yeah two to five so yeah. i think they're great. i think they're great you're sitting there here's what's really funny i have to tell you consistently you turn it on and you're a you're a big guy you're a muscular guy you're very handsome, and you're really smart. And so when you first turn it on, it's like, whoa. That's a- <laughs> <laughs> that's one. That's 
one tough-looking man sitting in that car there. He got a T-shirt on that says something on it, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's like you, you're going to – it's like it takes you about maybe four seconds, and then you realize you're on camera, and you go from being tough dude to, hey, <laughs> and your face lights up, and you're all animated and friendly. So I think actually that that works for you. I'm not saying it because I think you should change it at all. I think it really works because it's like, okay, all right, we're here in the we're here in the car. Behave. This is serious. Okay, now I want to talk to you. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. You know, there's a story behind how that all started. Tell me. Tell and, us. Uh, so I have a so I have a cousin in Atlanta, Georgia, who works for a social media marketing yeah. organization. Okay. And so we were talking about brand and all this 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 stuff one day and. I was telling him, yeah, you know, people are really encouraged me to do video. Oh, yeah, Dr. Charlie, you should definitely, you know, uh, create some video content. Yeah. And so I said, yeah, you know, I'm talking to, matter of fact, our friend Gary Baker. I was talking to Gary in St. Louis. Yeah. I'll get some studio time, and then I'm looking at some place here in Kansas City. You know, so it's only, you know, three and a half hours up to the studio, and then, you know, I can plan it out. And, and so my cousin looks at me and says, listen. <laughs> He said, we've got a state-of-the-art studio, soundproof, professional lighting, sound. Uh, he said, we have eight camera angles, and they're based in Atlanta, right? He said, there's an 11-year-old girl here in Atlanta, Georgia, that's kicking our tail. And she's sitting on her bed with her iPhone making recordings <laughs> of her trying on clothes. He said, it has nothing to do with your studio, it's your content. Yeah. He said, just make them in your car. Yeah. That's what he says. Just, just make a new <laughs> so I was like, okay. So I made the first one, and you know, then I got the courage to make the second one. Then after the second one, someone put in the comment, "Oh, I'm really enjoying Dr. Charlie's dash cam wisdom." So the next recording, I kind of made a joke about it. Yeah. I, um, one of the one of the uh, people in the network called it dash cam wisdom. So I guess it's the third edition, and I, yeah, that's kind of made a joke. Well, the comment section went right oh, about yeah. dash cam wisdom. Yeah. And then when I didn't make a report, not like not down, you meant it went up. Yeah, I just yeah. you know if you scroll, all the comments were some yeah. comments were about dash cam yeah. wisdom, and then the next day when I didn't make one, people were like, "Hey, where's my video? <laughs> where's the dash cam wisdom? Bring back the dash cam <laughs> So that's kind of so it's kind of neat how it just organically. You know, happen. That is the best. So talk about talk about the themes and how you come up with them. You know, it's interesting. I'm a very big uh, proponent of law of attraction. Yeah. Um, all of Napoleon Hill's work, I've read a lot about. And you know, he talks about the ether, right? Yeah. And uh, not everyone's familiar with the ether. Where where ideas come from? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's this this zone of energy between heaven and earth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And all the ideas are in there, and all you've got to do is pull them out, right? Right. And he talks about how how to do that. So it's so interesting. And then some people will call that the Holy Spirit. Some people will call it the universe. There's all these names. Um, Even it was so interesting. This is fascinating to me. I saw a interview, I was watching an interview with George Lucas. Okay. And they were talking to him and you know, I just 
think really highly of him. Oh, and, yeah. Me too. And, and so they said, hey, uh, do you think somewhere in a galaxy far, far away that there's actually Star Wars, uh, a Star Wars happening right now? And he said, do you believe that? And he said, well, he said, I don't know if I believe in that. He said, but I do believe in the Force. Okay. Ah, same, same thing. I love so, that. It's the same thing. So for me, for me to sit here and say, yeah, Dr. Deb, I came up with this and I, I, yeah. it's not. Yeah. I, the, the ideas come to me and I just talk about it. And so I wake up and whatever I feel like I need to talk about today, I do. Yeah. And it's amazing the notes that I'll private message that I'll get, how it really helps someone. Yeah. And so, so it's purely waking up and I'll get a feeling in my heart or a thought in my mind. And that's what I talk about. And it's the same thing when I step on the stage. Shock a lot of people if they've ever been in the audience with my keynote addresses. Is that I have an outline. Yeah. And the outline is, hey, I'm going to talk about these 12 things or I want to make sure. And then I have my images together. Yeah. But what I'm going to say, yeah. there's no, there are no notes. There's no plan for that. I'm just going to flow. And the, the words come to me, and it's almost like an out-of-body experience where the words are just flowing, the phraseology is flowing, and and I'm just a conduit, if that makes sense. It does. I have to tell you something, Charlie. There's a number of things running through my mind. Number one, how absolutely aligned and overlapped you and I are with our approach. I do the same thing. I do not, I've never read from a script. I've never, you know, you, it, it's, it's too rote that way. I want to feel, I want to look at the audience. Like what's the first rule in speaking, right? Know who your audience is. Well, you can't know them until you're in front of them and you're paying attention to all their nonverbal behavior. Right. So you and I are very similar in that. So I want an outline, but like if I'm going to talk for, you know, if I'm going to be on the platform for an hour or something like that, I might have five PowerPoint slides and their images, you know, to make the powerful point. When people put up a whole thing of text, like a copy out of a book, say, are you going to read that to us? And then they then they stand there with their back to you and they're reading. And it's like, okay, well, you know, just you really didn't need to show up. I mean, this is so icky. And then the other thing is I'm thinking about the ways in which you are so pure. I just love you. You are so pure in who you are and, and your humility is um, authentic. You just don't, you don't own anything. You open yourself up to it. And it's beautiful the way that you were saying these things come to you. And, you know, you're reading Napoleon Hill and you love and admire him. I, I, well, you didn't say that, but I, I'm saying that. I know you do, and I do too. But the ways in which you dial in, you look for ways to dial in to from from our creator, whatever it is, like you, I say, you know, whatever it is that you've got there, to be of service, you know, I love that. You you inspire me every conversation that we have because you remind me of these essential things, and that's what your audience loves about you. And then you come out with these things, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, good, I'm going to get encouragement, I'm going to have hope and confidence, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much for that. And yeah. it's interesting that over time, how you acquire knowledge, you acquire all these golden nuggets, they, 
they make up who you are. Yeah, they do. And I remember, and I stumbled, and it's interesting how there are no random acts. And yeah. so you, it feels like a stumble is really yeah. the reason why you came across this information. So I say I stumbled upon this quote. Yeah. But it was a quote I always, I will never forget it. Um, it's something that uh, Luciano Pavarotti said. Ah, um, I love Pavarotti. Yeah. Luciano Pavrotti. Yeah. He was the world, you know, he's considered the world's greatest tenor when he was alive. Yes. And he said this, and it's so powerful to me, because it, it applies to more than singing. Yeah. You know, it applies to life. Yeah. And he said, he said, most singers want the audience to love them. Uh, he said, I love the audience. Ah. Uh, oh. difference, right? Very. Because they know it. The audience knows the yeah. difference and they feel it. Yeah. Oh, this guy's up here and he's just trying to get adoration for himself right. instead of pouring into them. Yeah. They came to listen to be poured into, yeah. not to add to your legacy, right? right? Exactly. <clears throat> and so that paradigm shift is massive and people know the difference. And <laughs> my research, I, and that's what I love about research and data and there's a there's a study out there and it talks about how quickly people can determine your level of authenticity, right? Yeah. Point zero three three milliseconds. Yeah. Right. People know right away. They know without knowing. <laughs> you know? And and so you cannot fool people for very long. No. And uh when you're authentic and when you're just in the flow, yeah. it forces you into authenticity, right? Because yeah. you, there's no place else to go. Yeah. There's no script. Right. So you're right. forced into it. And the more you do that, the more it becomes who you are. And I thought about this this week too, Dr. Deb. <clears throat> so much of my life, I want it to be like. Everybody wants to be like oh, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. yeah. And so, but then there's behaviors that come with that. And my there are, process, that's right. Right. So my thought process is this. If we're behaving in a way to get people to like us, right? Yeah, right. But it's not our authentic self. Yeah. Then people are liking us for the wrong reason. Yeah, right. And so it's, a, it's not a, it's not a, it's a false connection. It's not a true connection. But when people that know us the best like us the most, yeah, that is we're being authentic, and and then it sorts out as it should have. And everyone can't be, you can't have seven billion friends. You just can't, and that's okay. And so just when when you're your authentic self, you attract the the people that should be in your life and want to be in your life. And the other folks, there's no harm, no foul. They they find their people too. Exactly. So, but when we fight against that, then we're in these unfulfilling, whether it be a business relationship or personal relationship or friendship, we're having these unfulfilling relationships because we're fighting against our nature. But when we accept that and then say, here it is, and those that accept it and embrace it will come to you and those that won't don't, and that's fine. And so once you cross that threshold of being fine with who you are, yeah. 
and who likes you and who doesn't, that's fine. I'm perfectly fine that I'm not everyone's cup of tea. I'm perfectly <laughs> fine with that. You know what I mean? And I, there are people that are not my cup of tea, and that's okay too. doesn't make anyone evil. It just means that some people don't like tea and some people do. Absolutely. So it's, it's okay. Exactly. And I'm thinking, you know, I like tea. I like lemonade. I really like an Arnold Palmer, which is a mix of the two. And, you know, it's like it, it, it really is okay. A good friend of mine sent me this thing that said, it's not my business what other people think of me. And I thought, not my business? Wait a second. I want to no, I want to know what people think of me. And then I thought, wait a second. You know what? There's so much... There is so much chatter that goes on with people. If people think that bullying is limited to childhood and to, uh, I mean, give me a break. Bullying is all over. Kids learn it from the grownups, and then it just permeates. And, you know, it, it, it is kind of amazing. I, I actually, I went through a period of time where I just got into a situation where these people just, <laughs> like, they're bullying me. I mean, I was a grown-up person. And it was awful. And I, I remember thinking to myself, you know, it's like it's like I wanted to look over my shoulder all the time. Like, is there is there caca on my shoulder, or you know, do I like a bru like a like a, a red X on my forehead or something? I mean, what what's going on here? Then I realized that the people who were participating, I was trying to figure out what was wrong. Well, it didn't have anything to do with me. It's just who they are. You know, there's some people who can't deal with anything more than a one-on-one, right? If they get into a group of five, they've got to isolate each one person to be their person. So when they walk into a group of four more people, they, you know, they feel like they're really connected to everyone, you know. So they got, like, their secret jokes and, like, secret handshakes or something with everybody. And that, that was such an incredible lesson for me because I ended up thinking to myself, as painful as it was, you know, this is not, talk about a cup of tea. This is like a pot of tea, and it's scalding hot, and it's a little too much caffeine for me to get out of here because <laughs> these people are icky. Now, I, you know, when you change that whole thing and you are just like naked yourself and just there you are, people at least say, yeah, I like that because I can see myself right there. If you're phony baloney, People start to get a whiff of that, and they say, "Wait a second, is it? Is it? It's like you have a plaster mask on, you know." And then they see a little crack in the plaster, and they like pry it open, and it, there's nobody really in there. You know what the saddest part is in terms of encouragement, hope, and confidence? The saddest part is what I end up as a doctor of psychology talking to most people about is who you are and what you are. And what you have on the inside of you is beautiful. 100%. Love it. 100%. Yes. And, and Love 100%. It. Yes. And it, it just, and, and, you know, feeling good and embracing that yep. is, that's freedom. That, God that, bless you. That's freedom. And that is freedom. I just, I just, there's, you know, you want that for everyone. And, and here's the thing. Yeah. That because people get upset that hey, this person mistreated me or they held me back or they did something, 
that wasn't good. And 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 I, I feel I feel those feelings as well. Yeah. And and I'm not talking about someone to make some mistakes, slip of the tongue. We've all done that. Right. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about deliberate acts that someone has said here and said, you know what? Here's what I can do, and I'm going to deliberately try to undermine this person's credibility, or place doubt in the boss's mind. All this little oh yeah, stuff. unbelievable. You know, I've had that. I've had that happen. Yeah. And so it was really frustrating, especially looking back. Like at the last company I worked for, when I look back, I see. Oh, you froze. Well, Dr. Charlie Cartwright is muted and frozen. We'll try to get him un. I'm going to mute him and ask him to. More than oh. when I was actually in it, oh. and I saw a lot. And so now wait a second. And wait a second. You froze yeah. for you, you froze for a minute. So the last company that you worked for, something happened. Yeah, and there was just a lot of politics, and I made a promise to myself when I. <laughs> This is the last job I had before I went on my own. made a promise to myself that I was not going to participate in this office politics stuff. And because of my previous job, you know, I got into these, you know, there's another, other managers getting these internal wars and, and silly stuff. And what happens when that, when managers get into these internal wars is the customers suffer and the employees suffer. Oh, that's yeah. What, that's what happens. Yeah, because nobody's so, in their right mind. No, and you're just fighting you know, territorial stuff. And okay, and I'm smarter than you, and I'm going to prove it. Stress. And all that. It's just Stress. ridiculous. And Stress, so right? I, let, I, let that, I let that go. So I'm not going to operate that way. Yeah. But as I, and so I end up leaving that job and starting my own company. And as I look back, I see even more things that were being done or I found out after the fact and I'm like, really? You know, like you 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 can't uh, you can't impeach my work, so now you you've got to or my education, so now you've got to make up make up stories, right? right. Just make up a story that's not true and then it just it, it's just really weird. So um, but what I realize now <clears throat> is that those people as I left, they just found another party. Yeah, that's that. Right? That's pathetic. Because that's who they are. Yeah. And so, but the big realization is this. Happy people don't do that. Yeah. That's right. They never do it because they're too busy being happy. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, we live into who we are. Yeah, we so do. if you're you know, a person that's always undermining and backstabbing and all that, you're living that 24 7 yeah and that's a miserable existence that i would wish on anyone it is and for happy people are so consumed with their happiness and the happiness of others that they live into that 24 7 yeah and so that's the group that i want to be a part of (laughs) (laughs) and anyone's welcome to join yes now here's the thing about those people that's really sad is they are suffering from truly serious lack of trust. And they just don't believe it. You know, um, I'm a pretty happy person. I, I've gone through all kinds of, well, let's call it caca in my life. Things happen, you get sad, you get ripped apart, you, you know, all kinds of things happen. And, and yet, 
what what I was raised to believe is that this life is precious. Embrace it. There's no guarantee, not just for tomorrow. There's no guarantee you get the next moment. You know, so the um, the thing the thing that I think about is the people who are in so much trouble that end up calling me and saying, you know, I'm really stressed out. I hear that you know what to do about stress. And that was what you were describing while you were talking was people whose stress level is so high. Well, why is it so high? Because they're darn suspicious of everybody around them. I know that you're going to do something crappy to me. So I'll tell you what, I'm going to watch you really closely. I'm going to scrutinize everything about you. And I, good morning. Well, what do you mean by that? I really mean, I'm wishing you well. Would you like a cup of coffee? How you doing? Like, your hair looks really nice. What's wrong with my hair? No, seriously. It really looks nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what you say. Oh, my gosh. We need a breakthrough here. And, and you know, the misery of that literally gives people every kind of symptomology that you could think of. I'm sitting, I'm sitting three days in a physician office being the person who's talking to and educating and guiding people about mind-body medicine and the influence of their mind over their body. And this guy comes in, he's talking to me. And, I mean, he is just this handsome, good-looking, wonderful young man and is smart and personable and uptight and so freaking angry. And I said, so what's going on? I don't know. I said, so tell me, what are your health deals? Because I haven't looked at your chart. You know, like, why did Dr. Levy send you in here? What's going on? He goes, I don't know. I got everything. I got everything. I'm inflamed. I got every kind of inflammatory. <laughs> I looked at him and I, and I said, well, of course you do. And he said, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, listen to the way that you're talking to me. I mean, come on. I'm wearing light blue. It's a real friendly color. And you're all aggressive. What's going on in there? And, and he looked at me, and he couldn't help but, like, think, nobody's ever talked to me like that before. That's kind of amusing. I sat there and talked to him for about 40 minutes. And he started saying things to me, like, you know what? I got these thoughts going on in my head. And, what, you know, what do you think of this? And then my chest gets really tight. What do you think about this? And then my gut's really been bothering me. What do you think about this? I said, the question is, what do you think? Now that we're having this conversation. So all those people, you know, like um, I, I will talk to them in a professional setting, but do I want those people next to me in my private life? No. I really have taken it, Charlie, I've taken it drop dead serious to the core that we are, we are the people that we really surround ourselves with. And, you know, some people say, oh, it's the five, oh, it's the three, oh, it's the seven. I don't care what the number is. It's a manageable number of people that you can have in your inner realm. It's like everybody who's on these, on these um, blog talk radio, YouTube episodes with me, I have strategically selected people who I want to snuggle up next to because their energy is so groovy. Dash cam wisdom, man. (laughs) Because it's fun. I mean, before we went live today, I was saying to you, oh, I'm so glad to see you. A week is a long time, right? It's true. Because yeah. it's good energy. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. You have to, from time to time, take an, ex- uh, an assessment of who you have in your circle. Yeah. And you need to Quite. make changes where, where necessary because it's, it's very necessary. You know, the other thing I was going to add about the 
the, the thing that the health consequences of the, the poor attitude. People that have the poor attitudes, in their mind, they're just unlucky. And they're not connecting the dots to their attitude is connected to their ailments. They're, they're not connecting the dots. There's a ton of science and research yeah. to back everything up that we're, we're seeing. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a big deal that it not only hurts the people that they're, that they're pouring their attitudes onto, yeah. but it's, it's probably 10 times as harmful to them yeah. uh, internally. <laughs> and, uh, it, it's just these laws of nature yeah. Yeah. are perfect laws yeah. and they're indisputable and they, they're uh, inescapable. Yeah. It's like gravity. You know, you can talk all day about how you don't you don't believe a person can talk all day about how they don't believe in gravity. Yeah. And it's a bunch of hocus pocus, science talk, <laughs> and all this stuff. And then if they they step off a ten story building, they'll find out different real quick, right? And so that's that's how decisive these these laws are. And and the thing about it is, especially with your health. Yeah. It's like that 10-story building, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Step off the top of it. Everything's fine for the first nine floors. When you hit the bottom, it's bad. And all of a sudden, one day, they hit the bottom, and it's bad. Yeah. So um, it's a serious topic, and it's also the <laughs> key to freedom. Yeah. The key to freedom starts with loving ourselves and loving ourselves enough to surround our with other people that are gonna love us back, respect us back, care care for us. Yeah, absolutely. And as we care for them, and then we wanna all grow that community. So that's the that's that's the journey, and it's a it's the new journey. I, some of the you know it, it is so fascinating. I had a I was helping a friend out. Him and his, his fiance bought a house, and they're, you know, they're renting. They're going to flip it, yeah. but they're renovating it, and, and so they got a great deal. But it's a huge project, yeah. And so I'm like, well, hey, you know, I can come over there on the weekends, and lend a hand, you know, three, four hours here and there, and uh, that's three or four hours they don't have to spend. And so Saturday night, we're over there. I think I was painting. And he was saying to me, well, I know there's other things you're going to be doing on a Saturday night. And I said, well, besides being with my friends or my family, I'm hanging out with my friends. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. a good Saturday night for me. Yeah. yeah. I get to spend time with my friends and help with the thing. Like, we're getting something done, which I feel good about. Yeah. Because if I wasn't here, I'd be sitting in front of my computer <laughs> working. Yeah. I'd be in front of my friends working, you know. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find, you know, I'm one of those people, I'm going to find work. It's just, uh, I had a friend that has a uh, hunting, hunting dog. And we were talking one day because, you know, they're chewing on stuff in the kennels. And he's like, you know, these are working dogs. And he said, you got to you gotta work them because if you don't get more, they're going to find it. That's right. And so they tear stuff up. Yeah. And so for me, it's, I'm, I'm just wired that way that I love having fun and relaxing. But once that's done, what can I get to work on? I have a way of turning almost everything into work. You know, it's like you and I have got a vision for accomplishment. And we also have such vision ability about the way that things could be better. 
you know, like <clears throat> I know, like I'm laying on the beach. Okay. So I'm laying on the beach and I've got, I've got this great lounge chair that I bought from REI, which I love REI. Their equipment and everything is, they would be a good sponsor for the show. As a matter of fact. We could like talk REI all day long. So um, the, the, we could each have REI chairs that we sit in on the show. Awesome. I love it because it's like a lounge chair and it tilts back. And I'm laying in that chair and people will go by and go, where did you get that chair? Is, it, is that a little pillow and everything? <laughs> it falls up. It's not too heavy to carry. Anyway, so I, I will, if I want to lay on my back and get the sun, I'll lay that way. And then I always bring a couple of big towels with on either side. Because first of all, I want to map out my territory. <laughs> <laughs> don't get, don't step on these towels in front of my yard here. And I also want to be able to lay down. I'm, you know, so <clears throat> when I'm laying on the towels, I'm thinking, okay, this is just not quite comfortable enough. You really need to have a way to smooth out the sand. Otherwise, you lay down and there's all these lumps. So I figured out I could get the little kids' uh, bucket with all the little sand tools in it. And there's a little rake in there, like you see on the golf course. So I get, I bring my little bucket <laughs> along with my towels and my chair. <laughs> I like strapped onto my back, you know, <laughs> and you take the little rake and you can rake stuff out. Well, then I realize your body isn't flat. So, I, you know, I lay down and laying there and I'm thinking, this is great. I'm really proud of myself. It's very smooth. It's very flat. It's very straight. And then I'm thinking, now I'm mushed in places where I need to actually have an indentation in the sand. So I roll over on one side and look at where the indentated places need to be and do a little bit more raking. <laughs> and little kids who are there, you know, they, they're very entertained because they're watching you, you know. Even the seagulls will come walking by like, you know, look at each out of the corner. You know, how they turn their head. Birds turn their heads and look at you. It's really funny. And and so I'm thinking to myself, I watch them kids end up doing the same thing. So really, all we're doing throughout our life, Charlie, you and I, people like us, is we're, we're role modeling entertainment for others. <laughs> In the midst of, you know, making things better. It's like when you're there with your friends, it is amazing. You're making things better. You know, an analogous story I have to that is this young couple that I was friends with in graduate school. They didn't know Bupkis about, you know, they're newly married. Like, how do you take care of this house? And so they asked me, you know, like, Deb, would you come over? Come on over and have dinner with us. So I go over and I said, okay, so what's for dinner? Well, we don't know. We were hoping you could figure it out. <laughs> So I open up their refrigerator and I go through and I pull out all this stuff and I say, okay, let's chop this, let's do this, let's do this. And we have this great dinner. And at one point, the guilt factor kind of went through them. And they said, kind of the same thing as your friend said. You know, geez, you know, we like really didn't mean for you to come over and work. And I said, do I look like I'm sweating or complaining? This is fun. It's joyful. I would rather have you do it this way than I come over and, you know, no offense, but neither one of you know Bupkis about being in the kitchen. So you would have served me something that was, I don't know, maybe horrible. <laughs> At least I have a hand in it, you know? Yeah. And, and so it, if we're just natural, authentic, let love flow, have trust, 
then we're encouraged by that, like you talked about in Dash Cam Wisdom. You get encouragement from that, which then gives you hope. You know, like I can ask my friend over any time. We can do any of these kinds of tasks and chores. And and isn't that isn't that lovely? Doesn't that give you confidence? Phenomenal buckets of it, right? But where where do people get that, Charlie? Because so many people are are like void of that. You know, they're they're missing that. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's just an it's such a it seems counterintuitive yeah. that the more you give, the more you get. Yeah, but it's true. It's a hundred percent true. I don't care what it is, the more you give, the more you get. Yeah. And it's one of these laws of of nature that I just. There's so much joy in giving of your of your time to help someone else, and they, you know, they appreciate it. And it just, I don't know. There's just something something about it. And then you know that at the end of the day, that you you, know, you did good for that day. You did some. You brought some more light into the world, and 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 then when you're on the receiving end of it, it always feels kind of foreign, right? But it also feels good to joy. Oh, this is what it feels like. This is great, you know, to to receive the same. And so it's it's really uh it's really dynamic and it's a world changer for sure. And and I think that uh, for sure, if we would look at ways that we can help one another, if we were really focused on that, right? Right. Like, hey, um, how can I help? help this person or how can I help this family or how can I help these people? We're all focused on really figuring out how we could help one another. I mean it would be such a world changer. And but yeah. but there's just you know so much of a mentality of the opposite of that of this scarcity mentality and I'm gonna keep this and I'm gonna keep them away from that and protect this and my that instead of you know being open and trying to really heal people. You know, I I think about that in the context of um, everything we see going on in the world right now. Why, why in the world, in the midst of everything that, you know, this lighting is amazing. If I'm moving my hands, the camera puts some light on me here. Um, God is shining on me when I'm speaking. (laughs) The, um, why in the world are we, are we, do we do we need to have news that is replete with one person just putting down the other, one person just putting down the other, people screaming at each other, and it's it's uh it's nastiness and it's expletives and it's it's a tonal quality that's so offensive that you just cringe listening to it. Watch, I mean, right? And and you watch it. You know, sometimes I'll just I'll, I'll like turn on the news for a bit, and I'll and I'll mute it, and it's like, man, I don't. I don't need to have the volume on at all. I know exactly what these people are saying. And it's nothing that I want to have running through my thoughts. I don't think that people, you know, in in our show here, my hope is that in terms of people getting encouragement from us, getting, getting hope and confidence, that one of the things that we all learn, like we were talking about 
cleansing our social circles, right? One of the things that's really interesting, this is why I never wanted to be a clinical psychologist, is is I, when I was in graduate school, I went through all the different kinds of therapy, not because it was required, but because I thought if I'm going to be a doctor of psychology, I need to know all this stuff, and I want to take the journey and see, you know, what's what's all my psychological stuff about. And one of the things I don't like about a lot of therapies is we, we need to, let's talk, Charlie. So tell me, how bad was it? And how did that make you feel? You know, when it was really horrible. Let's dive deep there. Let's stay there. Oh, I'm sorry. Your time is up. But, you know, there's a Kleenex next to you. And I'm not being facetious. I'm being absolutely drop-dead serious. Because I went through that, and I witnessed it, and I experienced it for myself. And I thought, you know, there's something. People started doing positive psychology. And, and you know, it's, it's relatively popular now. And... And it's a movement, just like with medicine, away from um, just attending the stuff that's negative and and instead being really forward thinking. And here's the absolute brain science. If what you keep doing is, is firing the negative neurons, you're strengthening those negative neural networks in your mind consciously and unconsciously. And for every emotion there's a thought and vice versa. And that pairing releases neurotransmitters throughout our body, which is all about our, our absolute physiological chemistry. So when people say I need antidepressants, well, you you know, you need your serotonin levels lifted. Here's a couple other ways that you can do it. Instead of looking at pharmaceuticals in, you know, eat dark chocolate. Yay. Get up and move and dance and sing, you know, and if you if you can if you if you can get into endurance you know and you and you can work out long enough to experience it. I remember when I was a runner, oh my God! What I would love to do is be able to run seven miles a day again. My endorphin high from that, I was like really happy. My legs felt like rubber bands, you know, and the run was great. I don't know why I ever stopped because now trying to get back into it, it's like oh. I'll think about it. I'll do something else to get happy. Wait, where's the chocolate? <laughs> that really dark chocolate. But but people are firing all these negative neurons. And back to the original comment that spawned that, that line of thinking there for two, three paragraphs, we have to be careful about what we allow to come into our head. Like people will say, oh, Deb, you should watch this movie. Are you kidding me? The one about Hannibal Lecter, uh, no, I really, I saw it once by mistake, and it was so horrifying, I had to sit there, I was like paralyzed, glued to the horror of the story. No, I don't need that in my life. I don't want any of that kind of violence and despair. Do you know, in the movie, in the play, Streetcar Named Desire, every actress who played that leading role had a breakdown? No wonder, because the role is excruciating, you know? I mean, don't walk into territory that's going to be unhealthy for you. Turn the corner and walk into dash cam wisdom where you're going to get encouragement and fire those neurons in healthy directions. Yeah, it's. It's really, 
this is the battle that I see right now is, is up the mind. And are you going to live into the positivity and the light, or are you going to live into what all you should be afraid of? Because the media is waiting for you to turn on the television so they yep. can tell you what all you should be afraid of yep. or, or whose fault it is. And the same thing, there's several movies, you know, radio shows, same thing, play into it. And so you really, you really have to be on guard for that because it can really suck you in very quickly. Yeah, yeah. And take you, and take you down, and take you down before you know it. Like kind of like a riptide. It you is know, a riptide. Swim down in the ocean, it can rip you out. And uh, before you, you even notice lost, it. Before you even notice it, you can get lost. So you really have to be, you really have to be mindful of it because it's interesting. I just. Because I don't watch hardly any television. It's all streaming stuff that I watch now so I can control it. Right, me too. But I was on, oh, was it maybe YouTube? And there was a congressman. No, I think she was running for, maybe she's running for Congress. I think she's running for Congress. Okay. But it struck me because she was in this scene. And it was a very good, I mean, very smart commercial. The the cinema cinematography was excellent. Beautiful gal, red dress. And it reminded me when I saw it, it reminded me of the Matrix movie. Okay. And this this woman in the red dress in the Matrix, and she was a and she was a distraction, and she turned out to be this agent in this training program that. Keanu Reeves was then Neo, the character. Yeah. So that's what flashed in my mind. And, so, and this woman just walked. And so, well, she's, the camera is following her and she's talking. She's African American. And, you know, she's got the red dress. And so she's a Republican candidate. And she says, hey, walk with me. And I can't remember which city she was at, whether she was in Detroit or where she was at. But she's like, hey, here's what, here's what the Democrats don't want you to see. You know, so she walks and she's in this African American community. And she's walking around and, you know, just boarded up buildings. And it's terrible. And, you know, this has been a, a democratic controlled, uh, you know, state for 20 years. And look at this place. And then, and then she, you know, then she puts there's a map that shows all of these blue states. And every one of these, name one of them that the African American community is thriving in. And this is what democratic leadership does. And all this stuff, and very well done, Dr. Dev. But here's the reality. There's not a state in America that the African-American community is thriving. Not one. We're over 50, baby. So it doesn't matter if you talk about Democrat, Republican. We are over 50. And that's a, it's, a, it's a significant issue. So, and uh, I think that there's a lot. It's a very complicated issue. For sure, the fact that it's it's lasted this long, but to say that it's the Democrats' fault, yeah. or say that it's the Republicans' fault, um, it's it's a collective error, collective, and that's black people, that's white people, that's you know Latina, you name it. It's a collective failure there, and there's reasons for it. So. Anyhow, um, but to be able to 
to look at those things and, and look beyond it to, hey, there's a solution here that involves us, you know, gathering together and for for a common good. Yeah. And uh, and and rebuilding some things one community at a time. And that's and that's mindset and so many things and not playing into their fault, our fault, my fault. You know, we're collectively responsible. And uh, and you know where we go from here depends on how how we approach it. And we can't uh, you know if we we do what we've always done, we'll get what we've always got. And I remember growing up, and uh, my relatives, my my grandmother, my father's side, and my my aunts and uncles and. I'd spend the night with a cousin on Sunday morning. If you're spending the night with a cousin on Sunday morning, you're going to the church. That's how it used to work. And, and going to these black churches, right? Yeah. And I just remember the message was all, there was no message of, hey, um, here's what we can do. What what denomination? Was it Baptist? A lot of Baptists. Yeah. It was, it was you know, what we me and they and them and, you know, we're we're downtrodden and we're this and we're that. And, and not to say that, you know, bad things hadn't happened over the years, but... The focal point. That was the focal point. And so we're victims. Yeah, that's not victims. inspiration. That's not inspiration. And so when you're preaching that, <sighs> people are literally living into that. They are becoming victims. Yeah. They're being indoctrinated into victimhood. Okay? I know that's not a popular thing to say, but it's a fact. I'm so glad you're saying it, Charlie, because it's you know what? I have I have really been bothered by that. Victimhood. And so I have a, you know, and I'm just, I, you know, this is a fact. And so, again, I, as a young adult, I had a lot of these thoughts in my mind. Well, this happened to me, and this was taken away from me, and, and they did this to me. And, 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 and I wasn't lying about anything that had taken place. Yeah. Uh, however, it's up to me as a human being to overcome yeah, obstacles, right, right. to overcome all these things. And so I, I remember one of my uncles sitting at the kitchen table for breakfast and him talking about all the opportunities that were either withheld from him or taken away from him as a child. And I just remember, oh, man, you know, because I really looked up to my uncle. Now that same uncle is in his 80s and i'm like he's still a victim yeah he never he never uh overcame it he used it as well this is the reason why and i'm like well i'm thinking myself well now well why did you stay there why didn't you do it why didn't you talk to someone else why didn't you get a different job why didn't you why didn't you you know get an investor why didn't you you know like he didn't overcome it he just he remained a, a victim and so his life is that and the craziest thing of all of it, this guy, this guy was special forces in the military. What? So I'm like, you're this. Powerful, <laughs> this accomplished. Powerful. <clears throat> you know what it takes wow. to, to, to be a special force? What it takes? It was an airborne army ranger. Yeah, Those oh my gosh. Those are the people on the planet. Yeah, disciplined, like no, and courageous. Courageous, Falkworth country wow. was shot at, all these things, and, and now, but I'm a victim. 
You know what I mean? And so it shows how powerful the mindset is and what we choose to let in because whatever we choose to let in, we're going to live into. I We've got to open up the next show talking about this. We've still got time. But we we have to really die. I mean I don't we don't have to you know how I talk it's not like I'm laying out a mandate here, um, it's up to us to decide what we do each episode. But listen, one of the things that's really bothered me is it, it, I need your help on this. Any clarification on this? Uh, <clears throat> this idea of of victimhood is not just in the black community; it's among women. If there's if there's one group right now that's being victimized, I think it's white men. I've been talking about that. Men number one, white men number two. They're blamed for everything, no matter who they are individually. And then you know, black men, it's like you're absent somewhere, right? And so the because we talk a lot about fatherless families in the black community. Here's the thing. If every group, if every demographic was angry about their victimhood, we would have no one happy. Children are always being bossed around. Uh, Old people are always being shuffled over to the side and forgotten about and being dealt with like they're stupid instead of honored for their wisdom. We've got all these corrections to make. But one of the things that you had said uh, just a few minutes ago was how we're, we're 0 for 50. And and you said there's not one single state in the country where the black community is thriving. So um, I need your help to understand that. And I know it's way more than what we can go into in the last six minutes that we've got. But, Charlie, I want to understand the depth and the breadth of what you mean by that. And I'm going to say why, <clears throat> other than the obvious things. And I know you and I are both chomping at the bit. You know, we could go on for another hour on this. But, you know, one of the things that I look at, and I don't mean to be insensitive, I'm being aware. You know, we have this racial divide where uh, the black community says we need, uh, we need our own entertainment channel, our month to honor our part of history. You know, there's these segregationist types of, of we need this for our identity. And I'm saying, okay, all right, so there's an assumption there that we owned all 12 months and that all the other channels are, are for, you know, anybody who I guess is white or, or not black. And so I look at that and I think to myself, I want everybody to know their identity. Absolutely. As a woman, I love knowing my identity, but I don't want to be separated from men. You know, I, I mean, yeah, I've got girlfriends, lady friends, women friends, whatever, but I don't want to just hang around with the women. I, you know, I love my engagements with males. So I worry about the ways in which in order to rise up out of something, people isolate and segregate themselves. I think the worst thing that's ever happened in our country, three things. One, nursing homes. Places where we put older people, okay, I can't have them in my house, you know, put them over there. Okay, all right, there's a cost for that in every way. The other is the idea that our country, as a country, made a decision, well, that's, that's a ghetto. So children aren't safe to go to school there. The schools are horrible. 
So let's look at put him on a bus, take him to the other side of town, and you have him go to school there. By the way, don't put him on buses with seatbelts. Don't have their parents drive them there so that their parents know where they're going. I can't imagine what the children felt like and what the parents felt like to be swept out of their neighborhood. Because in my opinion, then the neighborhoods broke further down. The churches, you know, we've had more churches closed. We've had more schools closed in this country. I don't think we should ever close the schoolhouse or house of worship. We need to we need to beautify and make safe every single neighborhood. People can make fun of me. I really it's not my business what people say, right? We can't abandon a single street. We can't afford to abandon a single street in this nation. And when we started doing that, then we really started making the divide. We need, you know, you talk about integration. What we really need is we need integration of goodness, integration of resources. Why should there be one neighborhood that's a bad neighborhood? This is like some kind of freaking insanity. In the last three minutes of the, of the show, I open up the scan. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 I agree with everything you said. Think back. You remember there was a there was a there was a law passed in '64, right? Yeah. Here's what's lost sight of right now, yeah. you know, and especially I believe in the African American community. So that law in '64 had to do with civil rights, yeah. right? Yeah. So in '64, what was the percentage of African Americans in this country? What, 11, 12 percent, right? So that means that a lot of white people had to vote for that. A lot. Yeah. There you go. That is a lot. That is a loss. That it was. And so people are acting now like it, it, that, that, that didn't happen. That did happen. And I remember as a, as a man, I, I remember getting choked up. I still get choked up thinking about it. Because <clears throat> I never saw the picture when I was growing up. But my favorite movie of all time is Ben-Hur. My second favorite movie of all time is The Ten Commandments. Charlton Heston was the star in both of those. Yep. And so that was the actor I looked up to the most. And I saw a picture of him uh, standing next to Dr. King. Really? He was at the height of his career, but he knew how important that was. And other white people saw him and said, hmm, that's how change happens. Yeah. Not by throwing bottles, not by throwing rocks, by people stepping forward. And people did. Yeah. And we don't have enough of that right now. No, we don't. Well, I'll tell you what, we don't have enough time, 90 seconds, perfectly timed. Charlie, you are such a wonderful person. I am so glad that we're friends, good friends, and that we're bringing perspective and love to people. Thank you so much for being here on this episode today. Thanks for having me. It's always awesome. Yeah, it is always awesome. Friends, this is your team, (laughs) Dr. Charlie Cartwright and Dr. Deb Carlin, coming together from... Two different realities, love and share. Until next Friday for Freedom Fridays with us, we're signing off today. Charlie, stick around. Peace out, everybody. Mm 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.